I'm Brian Clapp, VP of Content and Engaged Learning at WorkInSports.com, and this is the Work in Sports Podcast. There are two major assumptions that Americans tend to make about sports. Number one, the big four, baseball, football, basketball, and hockey, are the only sports that matter. Number two, sports happen within our borders, except the rare occasion of the summer or winter Olympics. I get it. American exceptionalism and all. But can we all, at least on this show, agree these two concepts are falsehoods? I love and appreciate the big four sports as much as anyone, but I refuse to submit to the premise that they are the sports industry. That's it, just those four. If sports represents activities involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or team competes against another for entertainment, and the industry itself comprises any one of thousands of roles surrounding these activities, our industry is much larger than, say, just a U.S.-based basketball coach. Broaden your perspective. In sports, there are no boundaries. It's a meritocracy. Whoever performs the best while executing within the established rules plays. Same in the vein of working in sports. Whoever performs the best executes plans, supports initiatives, thrives. You've heard it before and you'll hear it again today. Working in sports is a competitive choice. As a sports job candidate, you must actively think to yourself, how can I make myself the best of the competition? What else can I do? One suggestion, go global. Imagine for a second you have relevant international experience. Put yourself in the shoes of an employer trying to hire the best, most talented, most well-rounded, most diverse staff. Would someone who worked in Barcelona for a bike race or Milan for a marathon stand out to you? You're the employer now. You're looking at resumes. You're considering people. It's not the big four sports and it's not within the U.S. border, so does it matter? Of course it does. In fact, it's really impressive. But how would you accomplish something like that? How would you achieve this kind of game-changing experience? Living sport. Seven to ten day international study abroad trips. Where it isn't all just tours and sightseeing, it's work. The kind of work that will find its way onto your resume, broaden your horizons, and alter your perspectives for life. Who better to explain this amazing program than CEO and founder of Living Sport, Alicia Marinelli. This week's high energy, let's get after it. Guest. Here's Alicia. Hi, Alicia. How are you doing today? Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. I'm feeling great. Awesome. Wow. The energy is here. I love it. This is off to a good start. Uh, So before we get into the entrepreneurial side of your personality and dig deep into living sport, I want to go back to your beginning a little bit. When and why? I love this part of the journey, like understanding what inspired people to get into sports. So tell us a little bit more about your background and your story. When did you figure out that this was the path that you wanted to go down going into the sports industry? Where it all began. I love it. So <laughs> when I was younger, like many of us that are involved in sports, loved it as a child. My first sport I ever played was baseball. And I mean baseball with the boys. I was the one of the only girls in a baseball league, loved every second of it. And when I got older, 10, 11, 12, I started making these all-star teams. Mm -hmm. And then at 12 years old, I 
I made the biggest all-star game, all-star team you can. And that was the district team. Now at age 11, 12, I'm playing baseball on a boys league. I make the district team. My story didn't end up like Monique Davis, right? I didn't make it to the <laughs> World Series. But I was that girl that at age 11, 12, I was one of the few people on my team that was hitting home runs over the fence. So the support that I got as a female playing on a boys league really taught me from a young age, like, wow, Mm -hmm. I have a support system. People love this. I'm different and that's okay. And I think that was the first life lesson that sport had taught me. And I love the feeling and I I'm, I'm a competitor through and through you want to play checkers. I'll give you a competition at checkers, tick, tick, <laughs> whatever it is. So when I got older, when you're picking your major at 16 years old, 17 years old, I came across the major sport management and that's where it ended for me. I was like, has to be, Sport was the only thing that I really had interest in and really defined me as a person. So I never looked back since choosing sport management as a major my undergrad year. It's so nice we can get that clarity because so many people don't. I was in the mix where I didn't. I mean, I knew that sports were always kind of my calling, but I'm old enough where sports management wasn't really a major. Like that wasn't really an option at most schools. The fact that that has grown and you were able to identify that and really lean into it. I don't know. It gives you a lot of clarity and purpose at an early age, which is probably a pretty powerful thing to experience. Really doesn't. It was new to me, too. I believe I was the second graduating class, one of the first females to graduate with a sport management major. And I loved every second of it. Yeah. When you're working in sports, working in sports, you you go to work and you don't think it's work. I used to mm -hmm. say I worked in sport to go hang out with my friends and do great things in the sport industry. And that's how I felt undergrad was. So when I knew that I loved to go to class every day because the content and learning about the sport industry was so fascinating to me, I knew I was on the right path. Yeah, for sure. So we in sports, we so often talk about the need to relocate, the need to go where jobs are. I mean, I, I jumped to Atlanta right after finishing college, never having been there before, but it was a great opportunity and I'm going, you know, like one of those kind of attitudes. You went same sort of thing in your career. You were in rural Pennsylvania uh, and then jumped to New York City uh, pretty early in your career to work for Madison Square Garden Company. How important do you think now looking back as a job seeker to have that mentality and mindset where you're willing to relocate, you're willing to go where that opportunity is? And furthermore, what do you remember most about that jump going from rural PA to NYC? Big move for me, right? Big move, big decision. I will say this. For those listeners, if you don't consider making a move for a job, you're missing out. You're mm -hmm. actually lowering your statistics of finding a job in this industry. It's so competitive. You have to get yourself to a point that you are providing value to a team. So if you want to work for your hometown team, that is great. But you may have to leave for a couple of years, grow your resume, build your value, you know, get valuable to somebody else so that you could go back home to that hometown team and maybe provide value that you learn from somewhere else. I think that's thoroughly important. If you are a sport management major or want to get into sports, you have to be able to travel and relocate. Now, my move for New York City, it was uh, a little stressful, right? A big move from <laughs> small, yeah. small town PA to New yeah. York City. I will say this, Brian, I showed up the day before I was about to start at Madison Square Garden just to take a peek. I, I wanted to understand what door I was supposed to go in, what mm -hmm. subway I was supposed to take into. I lived in New Jersey, so I had a little bit of a commute. But I celebrated 
for one second when I looked up and thought, Alicia, how did you get yourself here? This is Madison Square Garden. It's the mecca of basketball. It is legit. You made it in the industry. Um, so I, I, I had to celebrate, but this is also, I had a phenomenal time working at Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. but moving to New York City, it taught me little life skills that maybe some people don't think about, okay? I learned how to navigate public transportation. By yeah. no means in Pennsylvania was I hopping on subways or riding buses. I was driving everywhere. Now I had to catch a bus at 6.52 a.m. Mm. to get to work by 8.30, right? A big commute yep. there. I had to account for traffic. I had to then um, account for crowds. You learn how to, the appropriate way to, to move through crowds and to follow the crowd so you could cross the street effectively. And even escalators, okay? This is something I think some people should practice. (laughs) I learned in New York City that if you want to walk up the escalator, you go to the left and you continue. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to stand and, you know, take the ride, you go to the right. Um, I will put my flag in the ground right now and say the most frustrating thing in the world is when two people stand next to each other and block the path. Like that should be a jailable offense. They should not be able to do that. It's like someone driving on the slow and the fast lane on the highway and going like the speed limit. Like, don't do that. Just don't do it. Agreed. So when I travel, (laughs) when I'm in airports and I see this happening, I'm like, these guys need to get out and go to a big city and realize the etiquette of escalators. There is an etiquette for sure. Yeah. I love that. It's the nuance of the experience that you don't always pick up on, but like it it is true. Like I remember when I first started and went to Atlanta, I drove the route to work like three or four times before my first day because I didn't want any surprises. Like I didn't want to be late and I wanted to really know where I'd go exactly like you're saying. But that goes to like the enthusiasm. Like everybody's always kind of called me like a puppy dog because I get excited over everything. Um, And so I'm still like that even in my advanced age. Like I just get excited about stuff. So when you're excited, that's a good sign you're doing the right thing and you're in the right environment, right? And why not get excited? You know, life is too short. There's so many things going on in the world. And honestly, those are the type of people I want to hire. Yes. People are excited to go to work every day. I, yeah, I, I just don't. I think, too, like I think too often in an interview process, people try so hard to fit themselves into a box of what is expected. But there's nothing wrong with being excited. There's nothing wrong with being like overjoyed to be in this moment in this experience. We are, we as hiring managers gravitate to those people. I want to hire people with energy and excitement. So why stifle that within yourself? I think bring it, you know? For sure. I think the biggest mistake in interviews is trying to predict what you think the interview wants to hear. Yes. No, I'd rather go in an interview any day and be myself. And if Mm -hmm. I don't get that job being myself, I'm okay with that because I'm proud of who I am. I love my energy and I I know what I could bring. So I more like feel like you missed out on me at the same time. Look at us, two energy hounds. Like nobody should listen to this podcast on 1.5 speed, right? Like, cause then it's going to be like, we're going to sound like Mickey Mouse. Cause we're going to talk fast and get out a lot of stuff here. Uh, okay. So let's go back to this Madison square garden experience because you work in an event presentation. I think that's a really cool gig. But what I also think is when you have these iconic brands, these machines in business in sports business on your resume and you're there and you're working, you're really learning the best practices for the industry. You're learning how things are supposed to operate with the best people that, you know, doing it. So what do you take away? What did you take away from that experience that still kind of serves you to this day? Like, were there certain principles you learned back then that were just like, this is, this is my core fundamental beliefs and how things should work. 
Gosh, I learned so much working at Madison Square Garden. The buzz behind every single event that goes on there is incredible. You're right. Their processes were a well-oiled machine, and I saw great game skips. I'm sorry. I saw game scripts that are just phenomenally written and thought out and Mm National anthem singers who were celebrities that come in. That doesn't happen everywhere. But I would say the biggest thing I learned at Madison Square Garden was from my boss. His name was Gary Winkler. He was the vice president of event presentation at the time. He's currently with Times Square Alliance doing events. But he showed me that being in a leadership role doesn't mean you have to be outwardly brash and on top of each other. You could lead with empathy and you could lead in a graceful way and earn the respect of your employees that will in turn want to work harder for you in the end. And I took that as a young professional and it has stayed with me ever since. And I admire that life lesson to this day. And I'm so glad that I met him at that pivotal time in my life. That was solely influential at that time. That's such a good point too, is that, and I know I've been around a lot of people that approach this differently and maybe even myself when I was younger in my career that sometimes you think being the leader is being the loudest person in the room or the the most talkative or the one with the biggest opinions, but it's not, it really isn't. And there's nuance in there and there's listening ability and there's ability to make comments at the right time rather than just all the time and just really being present and in the moment and knowing what each individual person needs and fulfilling, like helping give other people the path that they need is really a powerful way to be a leader. So if everybody can kind of get that in their head, I think that's important. Okay. So count me as a big fan of minor league baseball. I'm pumping it on the show all the time, telling people that's some of the best experiences you can get in the sports industry. Cause you do so much. You spent a lot of time in minor league baseball. Um, you spent three years as the manager of sponsorship services with the Lehigh Valley iron pigs, triple a affiliate of the Phillies. Uh, we had Kurt Landis on the show actually before who's the president of the Lehigh Valley iron pigs. Why, in your view, is minor league baseball such a unique and valuable place to work? Brian, when I tell people I work at Madison Square Garden or I worked at Madison Square Garden, the eyeballs light up and they're like, ooh, Mm -hmm. especially young professionals. But I thoroughly came into my own while working in minor league baseball. I suggest any young professional to work in the industry when they are first starting out because you learn so much. Instead of having that one job that is solely focused on the one thing and you can't really get out of your lane, um, like at Madison Square Garden, in minor league baseball, you are able to do so much. The term is wear many hats Mm -hmm. and you get to do it through your own job. You get to volunteer for activities and you really get a taste for how the business as a whole operates. So it's a great learning experience. And I do accredit how much time and effort I put into learning the sport of minor league baseball at the Iron Picks to help me start my own business as well. Yeah, that's a really valuable experience there. And, and it's a, such a great place to start out early on, because like you're saying, you, one day you're in media relations, the next day you're in the box office, the next day you're pulling the tarp, you know, you're in sales, you're in marketing, you're you're everywhere because they're, they're smaller staffs, but they still have to execute these massive events. So it's like the greatest opportunity. Correct. I remember times that I volunteered to do a shift 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. when we were having a Boy Scout sleepover where there's a <laughs> field. I remember we were having a camp night and I volunteered 
with the food and beverage department to roll 7,000 hot dogs. And if you don't know what that means, that's simply you're taking a cooked hot dog, you're putting it in the bun, and you're wrapping it in tinfoil so it's easily served to these campers, these young campers that are coming through the line. If it wasn't for those opportunities, uh, I don't know if I really would have understood what it means to be a teammate and to yeah. really be there through the thick and thin. I wasn't only about doing the great jobs, Brian. I wanted to do those, but I knew that it, with teamwork, you have to be there when no one else wants to be there. That, that is a really important distinction. I'm laughing in my head too, as you're talking about the rolling the hot dogs. And I think about everybody that I know in college athletics who will argue about how to properly roll a t-shirt for like a t-shirt cannon, you know, like they all have their own style or, or way to do it and we'll argue about it. And it's just those little things of the industry we don't always think of. Okay. So we all know internships are massively important when you're in college to gain some real world experience and get out there. Um, you, not all internships are, are the same. You've been a part of building and designing internship programs in previous roles. In your view, what should a good internship opportunity look like and what should students, how do they, how do they evaluate them prior to getting started? A great internship has to have structure. And I'm talking about, you know exactly what this intern is going to come in. They're going to have responsibilities. It's going to be mapped out right in front of them. This is what we expect of you. This is what you're going to accomplish. You also need a leader that is in charge of the program and really wants to be there. Okay, not everybody wants to mentor young professionals, and that's okay. We all have our, our things in life that we're passionate about, but those that do want to mentor young individuals, you could tell those people. And if you put the right person in a spot to build your internship program, it could do wonders for your organization, and mm -hmm. then you're building the next generation of sport business executives. You're empowering them to learn and grow through your organization. Yeah, it's a feeder program for your organization, too. It's like I've always thought like the interns you get into your organization that you train in your way of working, you see how they work, you have proof of concept. It's like this should be your feeder program to your eventual hires. You pick the best of the best and offer them a gig. Like it's like why wouldn't you put invest time in your internship program? Correct. You already put all this time and effort into them. Why not just, you know, bring them up through your program? Totally agree. I yeah. think that needs to happen more. And I think the internship program is is really at times undervalued because of that. Um, I don't know the stat right now, but to hire somebody takes a lot of money through all the yeah. training. And when, when you break that down with internship programs, you have somebody that you just spent with the last three to six months with and yep. you can bring that in. Yeah, there is data on like how much money you you spend when you make the wrong hire. And it's like, you're, you're guessing. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of guesswork in hiring. You know, you're, you're predicting, you're trying to evaluate where you think they're going to go. Well, if you have somebody in your building for three to six months as an internship, you should probably have a pretty good feel of their, their ceiling and where they're headed and how they fit. So it just seems like it's smart business sense too. Okay. So let's dig into living sport. Uh, October, 2016, you decided to launch the business. Why? Why was this a logical step for you? You're going through Madison Square Garden Company. You've got minor league baseball experience. You've worked other places. Why was it the right move to just say, I'm going to start my own thing? 
simple. I wanted to provide an experience that I got to experience hands-on to other people. We're talking about interns and mentoring. I love to do that. After minor league baseball, I hit my ceiling there. I love the Iron Pigs. I grew so much, but my boss wasn't leaving. And that happens mm-hmm. to a lot of people. And to grow, you have to change your route. So I started working in the sport of cycling. Okay. It's an Olympic sport, track cycling. There's a track. It's called Valley Preferred Cycling Center. It's I've actually been there. It's pretty okay. cool. Yeah. yeah really cool. I knew nothing about it. And my network was saying, Alicia, do you really want to leave minor league baseball working for a Phillies affiliate to go work for cycling? Who likes cycling? They're saying, but you know, I really thought about it. It was a management position for me. It was in a sport that was connected to the Olympic games and it was more money. Right. So, you know, yeah, that speaks, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like, I'm going to do this. Brian, it changed my life probably more than any other experience I had. And if I didn't give it the chance, I wouldn't have ever learned about cycling, how it's an international sport. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have traveled myself. I wouldn't have met connections who run events around the world and started to experience that myself. I traveled with a group of young cyclists. So in cycling, ages 13, 14, 15, you aren't going to the next state over to compete in cycling. You're going over to Europe because that is where the competition is. I was able to follow youth cyclists when they went to Berlin, Germany, and it totally changed my viewpoint of everything I've ever learned in sport. I am walking around with these 13, 14, 15 year old cyclists and getting the history of Berlin, Germany, seeing these sites that are incredible. And then at night they would go to the velodrome, which is the French word for a cycling track. They would go and compete at night. So that was their thing. It was a way to experience the world through sport. And at that moment I said, wow, I'm working all of these international sport events. I know when I was a young sport management major or recent graduate, this experience would have blew my mind. And I want to provide that for others. So I started talking to my network. I made partnerships with some of these international events. I contacted some schools that I was working directly with their students. And I said, hey, what do you think about going to Barcelona, Spain to work this really cool cycling event in August? And they're (laughs) like, we're in, right? And that is really how it started. And let me add this, Brian, it started as a passion project. I was working full time in the sport industry. Mm. So working full time, 40 plus hours a week on my lunches, I would go to my car, do interviews for this first program. I would get two interviews done in the hour, feel great, you know, eat really quick, go back to work after work, would drive home, would do these interviews, more of them at night and would then, you know, go to bed, wake up the next day and do it all again. And um, it was a grind. But that first year, we went to Barcelona, Spain, and Milan, Italy. The next year, we added in London, England, and Dublin, Ireland. And that is when it became, okay, Alicia, this is a real thing. People are seeing value in it, and there's a demand there. And that's when I I left the full-time job and made living sport the full-time. So, so many great points in there. I want to unpack one is that when you made the jump to cycling, I think it's important for everybody listening to have the perspective that there are jobs in sports that are far outside of the four major sports. Like I have so many people who will tell me, and I'm sure you hear it all the time too. It's like, well, I want to work for the Dallas Mavericks and I want to work in the NBA. And it's like, okay, there's more than that. There's a lot more opportunities out there that people should be open to and exploring. That gets to the point of relocating too. It's like, 
be open to relocating, be open to jobs outside of the four major sports, be open to jobs that are shoulder to a team. You know, they're not necessarily directly related to an organization. There's just a lot of opportunities out there. And obviously it made a huge difference for you. Uh, so I'm sure a lot of people in our audience, again, are familiar at least a little bit with what living sport does, but take it, take us through it for those that aren't explain the mission, the purpose, what these events are like, how somebody gets involved. Give us kind of your overview of living sport and how it works. Sure. It's as simple as living sport. We want to make sport a part of our everyday lives. We want to use it as a catalyst to see the world and grow professionally, but personally as well. So we at Living Sport travel the world. We partner with sporting events. We get that hands-on experience. We travel and talk with sport business professionals at all different types of sports leagues and sports teams, seeing the greatest stadiums around the world. But at the thick of it, we're about developing good people as well. The sport industry is an incredible industry. It could give you so many lessons. The people that survive in the industry and really take the most from it are good people. And we know a lot of good people in this industry. And I think that's the biggest thing about living sport. We will give you an experience of a lifetime that you will remember forever. It makes you an interesting person. You get to see the world. And you also make connections with not only people you meet on the trip, but the 20, 25 individuals that are a part of our team. It's the ultimate team building experience that that I've ever been a part of in my life. Yeah, networking is massively important. I want to get into that in a little bit, but I do want to circle back for a second. So I watched one of the the videos on your site of one of your participants, students, uh, kind of giving their day by day of what the events were like. And it's amazing. It's really cool. I enjoyed the video very much. Uh, but it, take, explain it to me a little bit more. So I know that they're they're traveling, they're seeing things, they're doing team building activities, but explain the work experience part of that as well. What are they getting to do as part of these programs that gives them a tangible, like, I know how to do this or I've experienced this kind of thing type, uh, type of result? Sure. The really cool thing about our programs is we're in a different city all the time and we're working with a different event. So each program is different in its own sense, but we will get you as part of basically assistance to the full-time staff that are running events around the world. And it's not only events that happen in a stadium, right? If, if you're running an event in a ballpark, let's we'll go back to baseball, your stadium is in place. You just have to execute everything else that comes around it. We partner with the events that have to build out venues and stadiums. So think cycling. Cycling outdoors happens on roads. We're shutting down roads. We're working with law enforcement and and city officials trying to shut down roads to traffic. We have to brand the whole thing, make it look like a professional event, and do all sorts of things to get the venue ready before the event even starts. And then you get into execution. And it's just like any other event. You have ticket sales, you have sponsors, you have to take care of food and beverage, merchandise. We are a part of it all. And I think seeing it all come together, we're always a part of every single aspect. You get an understanding for all of the hard work that goes into putting on a sports event. And it really gives students and recent grads that travel with us a perspective of, hey, I really like to do this aspect of event operations mm -hmm. or Maybe I don't like this so much. I'm going to get into this route. So it's really a taste of the industry. 
Yeah, it's again so important. Like we we talk about all the time. Like you you can't know what you have an experience. I've had people say like I thought I wanted to work in the NFL, then I interned there and I didn't like it. Oh my gosh, what do I do now? And I'm like, that's good. You have to figure out what you don't like just as much as you have to figure out what you do like. And if you can get exposed to things, that's the best way to learn where your skill sets lie, where your passions lie. Without that, you're just kind of flying blind. So getting the actual hands-on experience can start to help you refine your path a little bit. Brian, there's no other place that I would rather learn what route I don't want to work in sports than in a place like Athens, Greece. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) I don't want to do this side of the job, but I'm in Athens. This is pretty cool. (laughs) It's it's such a good point, too. And, you know, you'd rather find that out early than late. You'd rather find out that you don't like something before you get hired for a job doing it and you're moving and you're doing these things and you're working this job you really don't like. It's better to find that out early in a program like this. So, who are the ideal candidates? Are you appealing to just sports management students? Is it, um, is it if they have a, sing- a certain type of focus that kind of aligns with what an individual trip is going to be like that you, you recruit and look for people looking for event marketing or what's your kind of approach to matching the personas of who will fit for the events? Sure. We're looking for people who really want to make a name for themselves in the industry. They want to get this experience. They want to build their network. Along from the seven to 10 day experience when we travel all over the world, a big part of who we are is our community. We are a tight community who after the program, we do things together. We travel on on trips. We have a a group going to the Indy 500 to, to work that race. Back in November, we took a group networking trip to Yosemite National Park and took a hike. So we're doing all sorts of crazy things. But the, the what we're looking for is somebody who's passionate to make a difference in the industry and continuously learn. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is a part of being a young professional, knowing that you don't know everything and you still have a lot to learn. I, you know, I've worked in sport for some time now. I am still learning each and every day. So if you have that passion, you want to work in the sport industry, you want to be a good teammate, and you want to bring unique experiences to your next journey, wherever that may be, and you want to experience the world and see it for what it really is, our program is for you. And I will tell you what, you meet people all from all over the world and realize we may be in a different region. We may have a different culture. We may do things differently, but at the heart of it, if you align yourself with good people, people just want to help people. And that's it. It's true. It's true. You're motivated to help people that are showing that right energy and enthusiasm and interest. And you, you know, your time is worth it to to spend helping them. Uh, So, On a personal note, I never studied abroad in high school because, or in college, because the programs were too expensive. They were cost prohibitive. How are you able to make these international learning opportunities affordable so that they can be as inclusive as possible? A couple things. Yes, there is a price tag to our program, just like a study abroad program. But when I was building out this program, Brian, I analyzed what was being offered in a standard study abroad program where you would go overseas, connect with a school, and you would actually study book work. With us, the value that our living sport programs provide greatly outperforms any study abroad program I've ever seen. We provide so much value in our seven-to-day trips that we are basically, say, it's an investment in your career and in your life. We are developing not only giving you an experience of a lifetime, you get to experience the world, you gain experience, you build a connection of people who are really close, tight-knit, 
but you go on and you see great things in life. And I, I think what we're doing here is we provide you avenues to fundraise, right? We, we set you up for success. We Every time somebody's accepted into the program, they get a sheet with 50 ideas on what they could do to fundraise their cost of the program, which a lot of people do fully fund their trip. And most recently, we actually created a 501c3 organization called Living Sport Foundation. And that is our efforts to help collect dollars to help offset costs and provide scholarships to individuals who may not be able to afford this program. Okay. Yeah, we understand there is a price tag, but really as a part of our program, you're not just getting education out of it. In our program, it's also paying for your hard costs, your hotels, your food, right? Your bus transportation. So it's not just about, it's not a tuition. We got everything covered for you. So you know exactly what you're going to spend when you come on our program. I tell you, there's an ease in that too. I remember the first time I went to Europe, uh, as a young person, I went on a trip that was planned out. Like the, the hotels were booked. We had, we had itineraries. We knew where we were going and it was like, I could breathe. Right. Cause you weren't worried about like, uh, where do I go? How do I get around? How do I get money? How do I do this? When am I going to eat? How am I going to talk to the waiter? You know, it was all planned for you. And that just gives you a certain ease where you can lean into the experience and the moment and really be aware of what's happening and soak it all in versus like that fear factor coming in. So just the fact you put so much effort into setting it up for the students, I'm sure gives a lot of calm to them. You're totally right. And what we also like to do towards the end of the trip, we challenge our students, hey, were you paying attention? Lead us home on the subway because these again are life skills. Yeah. You could go around and be comfortable traveling the world, using their transportation, talking to people who don't necessarily uh, speak English as their first language. That is something that you could take for the rest of your life and it develops confidence. So we make sure we're not only being there and making sure everybody uh, has an itinerary where we're fully leading them. That is a big part of it. But towards the end of the program, we want to make sure that they're paying attention so that they can continue to travel the world through sport after our program. I love it. That's great. So I've interviewed a lot of sports connected people over my career. I've interviewed a lot of professors. I've interviewed a lot of hiring managers. I've just, this has always been something I've done. And I'm always amazed at what I think is a disconnect between what employers want and what education delivers in that education delivers theoretical. A lot of times it delivers on classroom experience and some of them are great, but employers want experience. Like they want to know that somebody can come in and be a change agent at their organization. They can make a difference. They can impact things. Sure. They're willing to train, but they also want you to have some experience, some things you can do. You're obviously leaning that way, right? This is what living sport is bringing to the table. You're giving them real life experiences. You're giving them out there, uh, you know, really working and doing the thing, doing the job that's at hand. Why, why is this not more prevalent? Why isn't there more of a connection between education and employment? I'm not sure. Um, (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) I'm not sure. I saw that, but I will say this about education. I work with a lot of schools and they're great people and they're really busy. Professors have a lot on their plate. I don't know that the college education ever promised experiences though, right? It promised knowledge. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're a student and you understand that's, 
your jobs want experience, you have to take it upon yourself to take your education, learn what you can in school and go out there and find experiences. I always let young professionals know that that one internship that is a part of your curriculum, that isn't the only one you could do. Don't oh, yeah. You should be going out as a freshman and getting summer experiences that relate to your major or the path you want to take. So I'm not sure. I think there's time constraints and um, a lot going on in academia where they're focused on, you know, the education. And that's what they promise people when you sign up for school. But I I feel like living sports, I saw that and I felt like I could provide that experience for young professionals and really What our program could do, too, is we accept recent graduates, meaning you don't have to be associated with the school Mm -hmm. in sport. It's tough to get a job right away. So if you're in that gap year of looking for employment in the industry, come travel with us, gain experience, and we'll give you a really cool opportunity that you could then go and tell employers, hey, I'm so passionate about sport. I went to London, England, and this is Mm -hmm. what I did in the sport industry. It's such a great point. I'll go on my soapbox really quick. I wish that professors, I think their job is really hard. I wish that they were um, like they, they were validated by their, their students getting hired for jobs versus how many papers they publish and how many research papers they do. And unfortunately the administration of higher education will often give more value to, are you a published author? Are you publishing research documents versus are you graduating and high, 99% of your students are getting jobs afterwards? I wish that they would flip that model a little bit, but that's just my own little soapbox. Well, here's this. You need to, at the college at the college level, you need a doctorate to teach. Well, yeah. you've been in education that whole time trying to get the doctorate degree. You didn't have time to get any real world experience. experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's like there's a there's a catch 22 in there. It's like you have to get the doctorate to be in the role of teaching others. But if you haven't got any real job experience yourself and been out there, well, how much value are you bringing to the conversation? But again, professors are awesome. I love them. I think they do great work. It's just I sometimes think the the deck is the deck is stacked against them. Okay, get back. Let's get back to living sport. I I go off on tangents. Tell me about some of the success stories. What are your results been like? You have a, a good group of people that have been through your program now, what are you seeing come out of these students once they finish up and go on in life? We have a lot of success stories. If you really want to see our success stories, go to our website, livingsport.com. We lay, lay out a lot of people who are getting jobs in sports after this. I would say there's two routes. There's the, the direct connection. And I'm going to mention this one gentleman. His name is Dylan Hammond. He traveled with us to London in 2018 where we worked a triathlon. Okay, so we got that experience. He then traveled that same year to Milan, Italy. He worked a bike race. So on his portfolio, on his resume, he has a a triathlon in London, a bike race in Milan, Italy. Guess who gets he gets hired by USA Triathlon. Yeah, right. Makes sense because triathlon, the national governing body, they're an international company. They represent USA, but they compete internationally so his fit was tied perfect they love that he went outside international scope and got that experience he now is currently working for img academy which also when he was going through that program that hiring process he said they loved how living sport was focusing on education through sport and that is exactly what img academy is they have these incredible they're developing incredible 
athletes while going to school with them. And then we have the indirect connections where through the process of interviewing, people are mentioning living sport and the interviewer on the other side is like, well, wait a minute, tell me how you got involved in that. Tell me you ha- how you have this international experience. Tell me how you have this domestic experience. And, it, and it's work two that come to my mind right now or Max, Max Hedges, he currently works for the San Francisco 49ers in the ticket op slash finance world department. And they were just so enthralled. Now his experience working in Italy didn't really directly connect to his job. But what it did is it gave him a talking point not a lot of people have. And he became an interest, interesting young gentleman, traveled mm-hmm. the world, a world traveler. And it gave him something to speak about, showing his passion for the sport industry. Another gentleman in that realm, Mike Wasco, was interviewing with Legends Hospitality. And same thing, maybe his experience in Barcelona, Spain, didn't directly connect to his job. But I I reached out to his hiring manager and I said, what did you like about Mike? And did his living sport experience really um, show in his interview? Did you take that into consideration? She said, Mm -hmm. absolutely. She said, when Mike started talking about living sport, you could tell he was so proud in that moment and he just opened up. And she said, and I love to travel too. So it was a link that we really could talk about together. And I knew the importance of traveling and getting outside of your comfort zone. And that led us to having a great, great conversation afterwards, hired full time. And now he's doing really well in the Legends organization. That's amazing. I will say too, I think that one of the things that gets undervalued in the interview process or in even your cover letter or in some of your portfolio elements is to be able to tell a story, you know, to be able to get into a story. And and, and interviewers are going to ask all the time, tell me about a time you did this. Tell me about a time you had to do that. And if you can weave in an international experience working a cycling race or a triathlon or whatever it is, that's interesting. People want to hear and learn more. They're going to be intrigued. And and that's the connection that starts to happen in an interview is when you start to be able to share interesting parts of yourself and intrigue the other person on the other side to know that you are intelligent, passionate, driven, all of those things that can come through in an interview. So that's really cool. 100%. That's what we've seen. Yeah. All right. We'll finish up with this, Alicia. Great interview. Thank you so much for sharing more about how this all works. As you've gone through five years of living sports events, um, you've met many of today's, what I'd say, probably top sports management students, the most driven, the most passionate, which I think is, is great. You've seen many of them become successful and you just outlined some of them. What would you identify from when you first met them or maybe got introduced to them in their application process to then seeing them become successful? Is there a certain pattern, a trait, a skill set that stands out to you that says, now you can almost identify it and say that person's going to make it. Like, what is that feeling you get? And is there a way to kind of articulate it? I'll tell you a couple of things. Number one is accountability, knowing that they are in control of their destiny. Okay. Their path is wide open, right in front of them. What are they going to do? What advice from their sport business mentors are they going to actually take and do and those students that know that they are in control of their destiny and listen to their mentors and go out and get even more experience and define the path they want to go they are the most focused and they are the ones that go out and get it and they are also the ones that are most coachable because mm-hmm. they're actually listening to advice from sport business experts we've we've lived it brian right we want to pass along our knowledge on to the younger generation there's no other 
really knowledge that you should receive than somebody who has already been in your shoes. So the people that take advantage of that and continue to move forward, uh, that that's what I've seen the people that do the best. Those that sit around and wait for things to come to them, um, you know, I have to say sorry that that's not how this industry works. You have to be out there and you have to be a go-getter. Alicia, awesome stuff. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm so in line with everything you've been sharing and saying. It sounds like such great events and I wish I was a student again so I could go on a trip because that sounds like a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Brian. Thank you so much to Alicia for coming on the show. You know, one of the concepts I really want to dig in because I think her program at Living Sport is amazing. It's clearly making a massive impact for those who want to break into the sports industry, getting this kind of global experience. But I really want to talk about inclusivity. I really want to talk about opportunity being broad and open to everyone, not just an elite group that could afford something like this. Um, I love the way she handled that. I love the way they focus on fundraising and ways for students who are interested to gain access to their programs in a, in a meaningful way and how they have their spirit in that direction as well. And they saw that that was a problem they needed to, to solve and work on is that they wanted to make it open to everyone. Just like we talked about having open borders, considering global experience, getting out there, the sports industry breaks down those walls. Well, we want to do the same thing when we think about inclusion. And I, I love the fact that Alicia hit on that so well. I loved her energy. I loved her spirit for everything. It was so great to have her on the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review wherever you listen. It is important. It does help us grow. It does help us get more guests, better guests, more important people that can help to influence you. So it does benefit you when you do these things. So thank you all for listening. Let's get back after it. <laughs>